Hey, it's Sunny Days. I am the co-host and co-creator of Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Listen, I am a podcast her, okay, H-E-R, an activist, a thought leader, pin pusher, and lover of poodles. And I'm Lisa Davis, MPH. I am a lover of social justice, healthy living, dogs, and I love being the co-host and co-creator of Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Now is the time for honest, unfiltered conversations, for authentic voices and their stories, and for connection. Join us as we confront the moment head on with this podcast. It is passionate. It is real as lives behind the headlines. Active allyship, it's more than a hashtag. And listen, it goes beyond the likes, the retweets, and the hashtags, making space for the vital dialogue necessary for racial justice. And now on to the show. I'm Lisa Davis. And I'm Sunny Days. Hey. Back together again. I know, right? I missed you. I know, I missed you too. This has been, you know, it's been a really busy summer for me. Like my nine to five has been crazy busy, rewarding, but busy nonetheless. And so that particular uh, project that I was working on is over now. And so I can breathe a little bit. Um, And then I also had an opportunity because you know how I feel about my mental health and not just mine, but mental health and mindfulness and those things. I had an opportunity to, to step away and recenter so that I, I like to say that I connect to my center so that I can connect to the source. And so I, I was, I was sharing with one of my friends the other day, as you know, I haven't done the show in a minute. And they were like, well, well, do you miss it? How are you feeling? I said, yeah. I said, but one thing that I, I really didn't think about in the beginning, and I guess, you know, I'm a woman of color. I don't even want to say it's in my DNA, but we're used to carrying heavy things. But I didn't realize the toll, like on my mental space, having to conduct research and have these conversations on a regular basis, really what a heavy lift that would be. And how important it would be for me to like quiet my mind for a moment, hit the pause button and uh, to, to regroup, to recover, to hit the refresh button. So I'm, yeah, I'm back and ready. Woo-hoo. And look at Melvin, ready. <laughs> so if you listen to last week's show, and if you didn't, you need to go, not right now, obviously, but go back and listen. The wonderful Melvin Gravely, the second, his wonderful book, Dear White Friend. Well, Sonny wasn't there. So what we're going to do today is Sonny listened to the interview and we're going to bring up some of the stuff that uh, Melvin and I spoke about and we're going to have a great conversation and just so excited, Melvin, that you are back. Hello. Well, hello. And I, I'm excited to be back again. I did my research on the two of you. I told Lisa this before. Um, and I was sad that Sonny wasn't with us before. I don't know if I'm going to be more sad that she's with us now or not. Um, you guys have given me no context of what Sonny's thoughts were about our interview, Lisa. Um, but I'm excited to be with you, ladies. I feel like I'm interrupting your reunion. So thanks for having me as a as a third person on, on your reunion uh, episode here. Oh, 
Well, I think you're awesome, and I'm excited. I'm going to kind of sit back on this one. You know, I've been talking a lot all summer on the show, so I'm just going to let Sunny jump right in. I'm just going to kick back and stretch a little. So, mm, where do I start? So let's start with the term racist, because I thought I believe that your perspective is very interesting. I'm using air quotes here. Mm, yeah, I'm doing a lot of pausing and don't because pause. I mean because you should just come straight at it. Uh, oh no no I'm no! Oh, oh oh oh! Trust me, trust okay. me. Uh, yeah, trust me. I I think I'm trying to understand. No, I am. I want to understand really how you arrived at that. Be, your thoughts about racism. And if people have listened to the first show, then they understand. I just, I feel like it's a, um, I feel like it's a, uh, a way for racists to get away from, like, it's a soft hand. And not that everything requires a hammer, but I think it's a soft hand and I think it's a gift that's not warranted. Does that make yeah. sense? It does. So, so let's go back to, uh, and, and you're not the first person to call me on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and f- for your listeners, you know, I, I say in my letters to my friends that I don't believe you're a racist. I mean, it's a, it's an overt statement that, that I say to them. Um, and be, so let me go back to the, the reason I wrote the book and the reason I wrote the book and I truly was writing it to people I consider to be my friends. And I was trying to create a space where we could walk together toward racial equity. So think about the idea of space. The second thing is not the second thing, but 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 as that follows on, the idea of them being a uh, a racist and what that means for me and what it means for them doesn't provide that space. As a matter of fact, it creates this divide that is going to be hard for me to get back onto a path to equity. And I didn't need to identify people as racist to identify racism as our real problem and call my friends or in your, your speak, my allies mm-hmm. to the work of working on racism. Of course, there, there are harmful biases and actions and words and things that we do that I could label racist, but I have decided to believe that my friends' hearts are right. And when I call them racist, it sends them to a place that doesn't provide that space. So Sonny, that you can call it overly practical in my mind, but I just felt that the labeling um, was unnecessary. And, and, and if I call my friends Races. What do I call? I mean, like over the top, sheet wearing, hate spewing, monger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do I? What do I Thank call them? Then mm-hmm. what? What? What word do I give them? What label do I give them? And so, I think you notice throughout the book, I try to use fewer labels. To I wanted to describe the activity better to provide us an opportunity to change activity. So instead of racist, I, I use the term benefiting bystander. It's still a label, but it's a descriptor, right? You're benefiting and you're waiting. What, 
when you hear racist, I'm not even sure anymore that the hearer and the sayer are even describing it to same. And so the word means that, but benefiting bystander worked for me at least because they say, Hey, my friend, it's working out for you. And you're watching it happen. I'm getting screwed in the process, right? I need you to be it. So, so that's really where that comes from. And I, I, listen, I don't, I'm not trying to defend it. I'm trying to explain where I was coming from when I was writing it. Does that at least help understand where I was coming from? Oh, I wish I had my other mug, but, um, (laughs) You guys can't see this, but I have a mug that says Mr. Right that I just <laughs> I sit I sit at, at the right moment to send a message to Sonny and, and to Lisa right. that I'm right. Oh, I need my, my other mug. But listen, one, I appreciate you breaking it down like that because I'm sure the listeners have questions about that as well, right? Sure. And so when you think about your friends using air quotes, like I mean, for me as a woman of color, I'm like, I don't consider my white friends racist because if I considered them racist, then they wouldn't be my friends. Right. Right. So to clear this up, it's not that you don't use the term racist. You don't use the term racist as it relates to your white friends and openly communicating with them about the differences, uh, the unfair advantages, and you said the bystander. Benefiting bystander. Benefiting bystander. Yeah, I'm not afraid of the word racist at all. I'll just be, I'll be honest though. I think we apply it too often. I think there's better descriptors for the behavior that we see that, that, um, that are better than the word racist, but I'm not afraid of that word. I just think we apply, you know, we apply it differently, but you're right. How can our friends, like if my friends are racist, right? Like my definition, they couldn't be my friends. Right. 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 Now that doesn't mean they don't do some things. Oh, questionable. Yeah. That I say, yeah. Do you really, did you hear yourself? But that's a different conversation than, Mm -hmm. than the races we describe. No, I agree. And that makes, that makes uh, complete sense. So, uh, another thing that I have talked about on the show is the use of words, right? Because I, I believe that when we become so focused on words, not meaning what they really mean, then that's really a distraction from the goal, right? So as an example, people, many people have an issue with the term ally, And so now we have co-conspirators and we have, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. Right. And I'm like, you know, give me a flipping break. You know, the, a word, it's the word and ally is not just a title. Like there's action, a la active allyship, but there's action. Right. So if it's a duck, just because it's a duck, because you call it a duck, doesn't mean it's a duck. It's actually, you know, paddling underwater. It has characteristics of a duck. It has a beak, you know, colorful, just all that, right? So I'm like, let's not be distracted by the choice of words or or trying to be like, we're in this environment where people, Not I'm not saying you, but I'm just explaining uh, my, my thought. People want likes, people want to be different. And so it's like, what? What can I come up with? How can I call it something different so that people will fo- well, call it what it is? Call yeah. a spade a spade. Like right. at the end of the day, we understand what the language is and we understand what it means. And calling it something different doesn't mean that it's something different. It's just like, you know, 
that no, again, I, I, agree. I think it's a distraction. I, I right. think labels in general over time can become a distraction. I think we should really be careful because if they're descriptors of what you see, that's one thing. I see a yellow bird. It is a yellow bird. It's hard to argue that it's a purple bird because right. it's a yellow bird. But when I, when I get worried about privilege, I get worried about Black Lives Matter. I get worried about what people have translated some of these terms to mean um, when um, all of these, th- we need all the voices, but I get worried about the distractions because they be those words or, t- or labels become um, uh, weaponized. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I tried to, I just tried my best to stay away from that. I tried my best, not because I'm afraid of those terms, not because I believe for or against those terms. I was trying not to be distracted. I need my white friends on a path to equity with me. And I wanted to give them an on-ramp to that path. And that was my goal. Um, and so that's why I picked the language that I did. at least. Okay. Okay. And um, you brought up a ter- another term, privilege, a uh, yeah. very interesting perspective you have on privilege. And yeah. from our previous interviews and conversations with Dr. Camp. His, uh, instead of white privilege, which, you know, I have used often and probably still use, um, he has, uh, his term is unearned racial privilege. And so I can get with that. Like it's another term, but it's still describing the behavior and the person. It just doesn't have a color in front of it. So very interesting thought process where you wrote, um, that you don't feel, um, downtrodden or underrepresented underrepresented or um I would have to go back and look but that's the essence of what you wrote Mm -hmm. and I thought interesting like you you don't feel like a victim that was and my I'm basing it on my memory I'm like okay that's that's very interesting and so again these things and I want people to understand it's based on our lived experiences right And so you don't feel like a victim because you've never been, at least that you're aware of, or that you feel victimized, right? Yeah. uh, Actually, what I I said in the book was I never thought of myself Uh as a victim, which is is contextually a little different than what you're describing. Okay, well, go ahead. Break it down. Yeah. I I, I never, I never, I never internalized that. I never, like, I almost ignored the slights. So they were all there. Sonny, so I want to go back and if I were reframing my history, I would say, oh, Lord, it was, but I had chosen to just keep moving. You follow me? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I want to make that, that distinction. So you never clear. internalized it? I never, at least I didn't know I did. You know, so much psychological BS that goes on with people oh, right, as, we, as we go through our experiences. Um but and and I also talk in the book a little bit about there are ways that I was privileged. Like I had amazing flipping parents. That's that's the birth lottery, right? I didn't mm-hmm. like pick them. Like, like they were amazing and they're resilient and they're thoughtful and they pushed us. They had their limitations and their positives and negatives. But like I had some great parents and I'm blessed to have them still both with me wow. to this day. So so. I try to make sure as I'm writing to my friend that I don't 
that I that I help them see their privilege more than tell them they have privilege. And I can use examples even in my own, like, and there are in some ways I am privileged, not in the rate on or racial privilege that you right. described. Mm-hmm. Again, throughout the book, my hope was to get people to come to realize something without me having to hit them in the back of the head with it personally. And that's the goal of the first 40% of the book to talk about how the heck, what the heck is going on with race and how do we get to where we are? Because I've got a lot of white friends who have not invested in learning and they're de-incented by the the language they hear, the attacks they feel. Remember, they're not used to being called by their race. And you could say, well, get over it. I, I wish they would. But and the truth is, where would they have learned the resilience to get over it? We've been called out by our race since day one. They've never, we never call people like, like really labeled white men or white. We just, we just kind of roll, right? Lately, we've been doing it and, and they don't take it so well. So again, I don't, I'm not trying to let them off the hook. I'm not trying to water down the conversation. As I said to, to Lisa in the last show, I'm trying to cool, cool it down. Right, right, right. Right. Cool. And I appreciate that perspective, especially when, and that's, I appreciate the fact that you, you're bringing us back, that you're talking. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The the audience can't see uh, that Mr. Wright has this mug. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> that he's he's sipping something out of I don't know water coffee something but you know it's on a regular basis. Actually, there's nothing in there. I'm just lifting. <laughs> oh, God, needs <laughs> applause. So, um, I appreciate the fact that you you bring us back to this is a letter to your friends, and when we deal with our friends, we deal with them in a very different way. Like the way that Lisa and I interact is very different then I would interact with a white woman that's not my friend. Like, I wouldn't be mean, right? Um, but I would, you know, I got to fill them out first. And and so, you know, we would we would go based on that. When you talk about privilege. Yeah, and, and I think, I'm sorry, and we wouldn't give grace. I'm sure, you know, Lisa is so woke, she... Like I, she probably never makes a mistake, but most of my white friends say things at some point where I'm kind of like, dude, that ain't cool. Like, that's just not cool. And, but I, get, I don't like go from zero to a hundred on it's not cool. I'm just like, mm, let me check you. You probably don't want to say that anymore. Let me tell you why. And that's a different kind of grace, right? That, that I would give to somebody like that I know is intentionally doing it or somebody I really don't know. And so, yes, if you think about the book in the context of of friendship and those people who are my friend find it difficult at times because I am a very direct and pointed person. And I don't think when you read this book, you think that guy's not direct. He's not pointed. I don't think you say he's shying away from the issues. No, I don't think so. What I'm trying to do is give room to my white friend to read along with me and come along. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think you'd say that dude is soft on, on the issues. At least I'm not trying. No, 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 I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I would not call you soft on the issues. I think it's important to have this conversation to level set and expand, uh, manage expectations for our listening audience so that they are clear when they hear the interview, you know, and, or read the book that again, it's in the context of friendship and I don't think we can say that enough because as someone who's reading the book, they may not, even though it says, dear white friend, yeah. it 
you know, there's so many titles that are just titles, oh, yeah. right? But yeah. when you look at this and you're like, oh, okay, then this gives me a whole other context because he's literally writing this to his friends, right? which right. you use a softer tone for your friends. Yes. Um, but I have a question though. So yeah. you said that there are, you have some friends that have said things that were not cool, right? And you had to check them on it. And so my question um Cause just cause the white friends that I have, I can't imagine them saying things that are not cool in a, you know, in a way, is there a level of comfort one with you being their African-American male friend or black friend where they feel like they may get a pass or two, are they really just unaware like I'm, I'm even having trouble offering that as an option. But I, you know, we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna roll with it. You know, I was thinking the same thing, no, and I'm wondering what great, the hell did they say? Like I question. can't, I can't even, yeah. So let me tell you the premise from which I write, and then let me tell you the truth. The premise from which I write is that they're unaware. Um, but the truth is, I don't know, and so I'm going to make them more aware, and then we'll see where we go. If you now are aware and you don't do better, then I think that uh, we had to take a different path, right? Mm-hmm. But I, my my mission as your friend is to make you more aware. Also, keep in mind who my friends are in general. I'm a business guy. I spend most of my time with chambers of commerce, conservative middle market business CEOs. Uh, that, that's where I'm hanging out, Right. Um, my friends are overwhelmingly male, overwhelmingly white, overwhelmingly wealthy, multi-generationally, um, and they come out of echo chambers that are very, very white and very, very male. And so part of me says, because I've tried to give grace, where would they have learned this awareness? They ain't getting into school. They're not getting in at the private club. They didn't get it in their private CEO. Where, 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 where would I have expected them to get it? They didn't get it from mom and dad because mom and dad didn't get it from mom and dad who didn't get it from mom and dad. So where would I have, right? So they get it from their news sources. They get it from their friends. It's kind of like learning about sex, you know? And so we shouldn't be surprised. We messed that up too because we got it from TV and the media and our buddy. So I would say to you that I don't know what their real motivations are or their real situations in their heads, Sonny, but I'm saying I'm now giving you an on-ramp. Now we should be able to have a different conversation. Okay. And I, are these your friends? Friends? Like, are these people you hang out with or these are people that you work with? Or acquaintances. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I wrote a book, right? So there's going to be thousands of people who write, who read it. And all of them are going to be my friend friends. Right. right. So, Capital so I I, well, I mean, in your yeah. personal life, like, are these people you see? Yeah, like, they really are. I mean, oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah. They're, they're, they're my neighbors. They're my, you know, people I've traveled the, the world with some of these friends. Um, and I write about some of them in the book with their permission. Um, we, we co-create things in our community for, for civic good. Um, these are my friends. Now, are they my besties, Titus, two or three. No, I mean, there's too many of them for that, but I would actually call them for real friends. Like if they needed something, I'd, they'd call me and I'd be able to call them. And we, we've had each other's back like that. Um, but when you write a book now, you're writing metaphorically a bit. 
And so I'm writing to a profile of the a, a superset of those people I just described. And you're not going to read this book if you're not somewhat interested in understanding what the heck's going on. You're just not going to read it. So if we could take those people off the shelf that like I'm writing to the people who would pick up this book, who want an on ramp, who want to become more aware of Sonny. And I have to make that assumption. But the truth is, I don't know. Okay, And so, you know, when we talk about friendship. That is a word that I don't uh, use very loosely because it's friendship to me like there. I bring such a level of loyalty to it. That if I call you my friend, um, that's that's a special like that's special. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. Right. So they are acquaintances, some not even, and associates or people that I just know. But my friend circle, I think the, my audience can't see it, but it's it's small and it's tight. Sure. Yeah. Right. So um, I appreciate you you sharing that, and it gives me a better understanding and idea of for the context of, of this conversation and the book, what your friend circle yep. looks like uh, yeah. in terms of, you know, who you consider a friend. And so I was going to go back to privilege and say that, you know, I, it's, it's fair to say that I have privilege. I have had privilege, not in the same <laughs> Uh, unearned racial privilege way, uh, but I could say like on my nine to five as a, a manager in my past life, there is a privilege that comes with that. Uh, in many places, uh, there is a privilege that comes from me being a woman of color, believe it or not. Uh, so I I have had privilege and I recognize that uh, I'm not going to go so far to say that, and I know you said you don't see yourself in this way and you've, you've managed to operate in a space that you don't internalize it. And I, based on my lived experience, have had some situations that I could not ignore. I could not not internalize it because Really, it felt like a matter of life and death. It felt like a matter of my ability to sustain myself. And so when I say that, I'm speaking of in the medical profession. I'm speaking in my career. Uh, I am speaking of, uh, well, maybe I won't say interactions with the police because I don't, you know, just naturally, because of all that is has gone on, that if I see the police lights behind me, I'm a nervous wreck, knowing that I haven't even done anything. Um, so those interactions have not been life or death. I just would rather not have any anymore. So uh, <laughs> the point that I was going to make while I'm going around Robin Hood's barn is, yes, I have had privilege and I recognize that. I also recognize that there uh, are some many areas in my life where people like me, people look like me, my community have been underrepresented, have been underserved. And while I may not internalize that 
as much now because I'm learning to to balance myself in uh, my mental space. You know, you have to learn how to navigate that. I cannot completely ignore it as if it does not exist. And, uh, you know, well, yeah, they do it and I'm pushing through. I've tried it but it doesn't really work. So, you know, in, in one respect, I'm like, well, man, that that's a beautiful thing that you can do that. But in the other respect, I'm like, how healthy can that really be for you? Yeah. To so push like I got to give you, I got to give you some context here. Cause you, okay. you, you, you have taken what I said, uh, detached from this context. So let me, okay, let me, well, but that's important. let me, let me, right, li- let me literally, let me, mm-hmm. let me literally read these words. This is letter number eight. Mm-hmm. And the title of the letter is oppression. I'm sorry. Freedom from oppression mm-hmm. is not the goal. Freedom okay. from oppression is not the goal. And the first line say, I have never thought of myself as a victim or disadvantaged or downtrodden. Most of all, I have never thought of myself as hopeless, but I have lived a privileged life. Not like the innate privilege of being white, but in my own individual and specific way. And I go on to talk about my my mother and my father. This letter is trying to make a point. And the point is, so what I hear my, when I heard, used to hear my white friends talk, they were, they were all focused on, um, uh, folks in poverty, folks at the very bottom of the mm. food chain of mm-hmm. hope, and those folks who can't get access to food and 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 decent public schools, and but they were not as equally um, interested in our opportunity to prosper. So I make this point that you can't stay on Maslow's lowest rung of hierarchy when it comes to uh, equity. Equity's got to be to you know life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, which is us to be. Un, un, um, unencumbered and becoming as great as as we dream to be, right? We can be unencumbered by that. So that's the point I was trying to make here. I was trying to say, listen, let's not just focus on people who have no education. Who We have to focus on those folks. That is, that is a tragedy and we must do something. But what about the lawyer in a law firm that took him three years longer to get to partner? Yeah, you could argue they got to partner, but it was three years later. What did that cost? What did it mean on their stress? What did it mean on their dignity? What did it mean for the next generation? What about the dancer who just kind of struggled in anonymity because of the body structure was not the right fit for the ballet? So those kinds of things. So I was making a point in this letter to say, if it's just about oppression, we're not talking about equity. We're talking about sympathy. And they can all, my white friends, when they think black, they think poor, disenfranchised, downtrodden, and hopeless. They may not say those words, but that's what they, if you look at where they spend their time and their dollars, it's easy. But when I say we need African-American businesses that are multi-generational and wealth creating, why would I help a black guy be rich? Well, we help white people be rich every single day, right? Through our through the tax laws that we have, through the, the the special incentives that we have in certain places. So, so Sonny, I was making the point that I never saw myself that way, and so so and my white friends often don't see me that way, as as hopeless and downtrodden. And I was saying, but what about the case for the people I just described who? still haven't reached their true potential because of the race-based system of racism that exists in our country. So that that's the context I was, does that help at all? Or are you still 
struggling with. No, I'm not struggling. I'm clear. And I, and what, what I, what I believe is important is this conversation again, so that people understand they're brought back to, I'm not just writing this book about general people. I'm writing these letters to my friends, whether it's a capital F or a small F. I believe it's very important to continue to set that as a, um, to level set, if you will, because it's easy to read and think, well, the audience can't see my face, but you know, it's, it's easy to read it and think, well, mm, is he living in reality? But it, you're living in the reality of your friendships with white men in particular. Is that fair to say? And you're in the boardrooms. Well, we know who's in the boardroom. So I'm okay. So more, more, more white women, though. more, more white women. They, 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 they're much more uh, okay. Well, with, with your white friends. So that I just want to set the context. Yeah. For your lived experiences. My lived experiences are different because sure. I'm not surrounded by white people in my in my daily life in that way. Now my nine to five, of course, there you, lots of white folks, but there are also many people of color who hold uh, amazing positions. Uh, So I don't, it doesn't feel so one-sided to me at this time. I'm not, I've been in a place where I was the only me in the room, right? So I know what that feels like. But in my space now, as I've grown through these years and I've done different things, I'm not the only me in the room. So I understand being the only person in the room. And just think, as a woman of color, right, with locks, uh, and I'm in a, in my past field, it would be in a room full of white men in dark suits. And here I show up colorful, sunny, sunny, literally how you sunny. doing? Like, and, and I literally had somebody um, come to my office. Lisa, I may have shared this with you Yeah. one day, two gentlemen, two, two white gentlemen come to my office, see my name on the door see my name on the desk. I'm sitting at the desk and they ask where, like for me, well, it's me. I'm I'm sitting at this desk in this office with, with my name on the door, with my name on the desk. It's me. Hey, how are you? But in their minds, they were having trouble processing because of their lived experience and what they had become accustomed to. When they saw me, they were like, this can't be, she must just be the secretary, the assistant, filling right. in. She can't right. be the person. So, so you get it. And, and yeah. again, uh, you know, I, I, man, I wish I wasn't the only, and many times I'm not the only, but man, it's so few. And, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a great Midwestern town. Cincinnati's just done some really great things around this space. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really engaged in, in, in learning and understanding and becoming more self-aware. I really, I'm proud of what we're doing, but still, when I walk into those rooms, it's one of very, very few or one of any, and, and in leadership roles in some of these areas, it's, and then who's willing to speak, right, is also, and, and so, so thank you for helping me contextualize it because that is, that's why I wrote this book, 
not a different book. This mm-hmm. is, I wrote this one and others should write theirs. Right. right? So stories. when people read my book with critique, I just got a critique on this book from a very, very woke white gentleman. Mm. Um, and, and he was reading it through the lens of critique. And, um, you know, I appreciate that. I, I took it all and I just, I, I replied with great, great insight. I just kept it moving because he should write his own. I mean, I'm good with that. I'll read his too. Like, this is mine. And and I, I reread it this past weekend, which may sound strange a little bit, but I reread it this past weekend and I actually like it. So, awesome. so I feel pretty good about what but it's, listen, <laughs> I, I want to be clear. It's a, it's a great book. And, and one, I, one, I'm going to say, I'm not coming from a place of critique. Oh, like, I didn't feel I, that way at all. I didn't okay, feel that cool, way at all. Because yeah. I'm coming from one, a place of understanding. Right. And two, if these are questions and thoughts that I have based on what I've listened to and some of what I've read, then others may have those questions, right? And so again, I go back to, it's so important to frame it that you're writing letters to your friends. And so that creates a whole different mindset when you read the book. But again, there are titles, so many book titles that really don't relate to the context. And so it's just like, it could be dear white friends, like dear white people. You know what right, I mean? Right. And so when you when you read the title, and again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the title. Yeah. But I just I want people to understand that you are literally writing letters to your friends. And so that's the context in which yeah. they should read this book. Well, and, like, and I, I thank you. And we should keep coming because not just am I writing to them, I actually expect them to behave differently. So so I'm trying to to answer three questions. One, I'm trying to help them understand best I can what's going on with race in this country historically and today. I'm trying to help them understand why they should care in terms that they can understand and appreciate. And then I'm saying, here's what we can do together about this, right? Because I actually expect that my friends, once they know better, they'll actually do better. And that's, and that's the important book. Right. Mm-hmm. And I hope along the way that my black friends are reading this saying, see, I've been trying to say this. Like I, I didn't sit down and write this book, but like that chapter sounds like me. And for those people who this resonates, my path resonates with theirs. Mm-hmm. They can share it with their white friends. That also is an audience that I think um, would be supported by the work that I'm doing here. So now I appreciate you continuing to, to kind of pick your way through this because I realize and one of my black friends, I think I mentioned this before, uh, Lisa, it, who who is much more fiery than I am, called me accommodating, too accommodating to white people. This is the statement: you are too accommodating to white people. And I, I'd be lying if I didn't say it hurt my feelings because this is one of my, this is my girl, right? It's close to me as a sister. And I, I'd be lying if I didn't say it hurt my feelings. But then I thought about it and I think she's wrong. I don't think I'm accommodating it at all. I think I'm providing room for for what I want. And what I want is a path to equity. And I want them on that path. And I've got to give them what I can to get them there. And for those who are ready to go, I'm ready to go with them. And for those who aren't, I get it, but they weren't anyway. So I didn't lose anything. Right. So, so as long as I stay clear about what I'm trying to do, I'm not trying to convert someone's soul. I'm trying to get them to behave differently. Right. I don't think you were too accommodating at all. (laughs) I mean, you didn't shy away from the horrific things that happened to black people have been happening forever, right? I don't think it's like, everything's great. Aren't we all just la-di-da, kumbaya, da-da-da? 
No, I think you laid it out in a really great way. But it's really, and it's really nice, though. I, I, I am, I am providing a lot of room and a lot of grace and a lot of, of understanding. Of course, you are. And, and yes. uh, but, but I would to my friends. Yeah, and again, I say, see, that's the difference. And I want people who are listening to this and who will ultimately read the book to write. And when you read the book, read it as if he, like, he literally is writing these letters to his friends, right? And so that will help you frame the context of what he's saying. If you're reading the book and it's just like, dear white people, then it's going to hit different. But once you recognize, like, because again, friendship to me is like, it's so important and dear to me. And so if I'm writing letters to my friends about an issue especially something like this, I am going to extend grace. I'm not going to do the ghost pepper thing, like set your whole life on fire, right? I'm going to extend grace. And so I get it. And again, I'm going to say, when you read the book, when you listen to these interviews, a series of interviews, remember that Melvin is writing to his white friends. That's, I think that's a game changer. And so people won't feel like, oh, well, you're, you're so accommodating or you're, you know, you're just easy peasy. Like you're not even, you know, you're not even hitting them. You know, I mean, you just no, because these are your friends. And so when you hold friends dear, you treat them differently, but you're also, there's a level of accountability. I want to say that we have not talked about. You've already said, listen, now I'm going to meet them where they are. Right. I'm going to meet my, my white friends where they are. I'm going to give them the on ramp so that they can get this education, because when you know better, you do better. But understand now I'm giving you the tools. You got this book. You can study it. You can dog ear it. You can highlight it. You can underline it. You can do whatever you want to do. But understand there's a level of accountability that comes with this. I'm just not writing this to you. This is like, you know, a love letter. Right. <laughs> There's some action that should come out of this. And so, again, I want to make sure that I am characterizing this in a way. You, I wish I could just capture what you just said, because there. But isn't that isn't accountability a part of friendship? I mean, oh, you, you, may not, you may not frame totally. it in those words, but like I really do expect that my friends are accountable as I am. You said, Sonny, that you, you're you just there's a level of loyalty that, mm-hmm. that and, and I expect the same because I give the same. I give right. this and I have been, this is my expression of my friendship to my white friend. This book is my expression. What I need back is an expression that they're my friends too. And um, so you are, I mean, spot on perfectly. I, I, I need a different mug. Yes, you do. <laughs> that needs to say Miss right. That's right. So, you know, it's love. Oh, I was just going to say it's, it's um, an extension of love, right? And grace for your friendship with them. Because if you didn't care, if you didn't care, there wouldn't be a book written to your friends with these letters. So I want them to thank you. Yes. Oh, thank Miss you. is always right. That's a great book. You need to get Sunny's address. For the listeners, I, I, <laughs> my, my daughter, our oldest child, got to my wife and I these two mugs. And I don't know what order they're supposed to be in. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say I'm right. And she's Mrs. Always right. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know which one to do it. But. 
But I thought you guys deserve. I, th- I thought you just. I thought you guys earned that. Appreciate that. You know, I'm I'm curious. Have any of your white friends read the book and and talked to you about it? Uh, uh, uh yeah. I mean, so you know, the unique thing about how I put this together was, uh, if you notice in the front of the book, there's probably 40 or so leaders who put their names to it. Um, people were reading this as I was writing it because I wanted insight. Is this clear to you? Is it not clear? I gave it to my black friends as well. Is, did I go too far here? Did I water it down too much? Is this too accommodating? Is it too? Um, and so they almost, we had a launch party last week and, and I said to the, the folks that, that were able to come that uh, I feel like we wrote this book together where I would write a letter or two or seven and they would respond to the letters. And so, so first that process was the process, but absolutely the feedback has been um, significant. One of my most conservative white friends and he would be kind of on the fringe of my friendships. We we're cool, but like, don't hang out, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been supportive of me and I of him, but I wouldn't say he's not in here. But he sends me an email and says, man, I think you've done something that really can change the game. Now, this guy is very conservative. And you can put whatever check marks you want to put underneath from who he voted for to what he believes about taxes or what he thinks about, you know, the, the, the real nature of racial tensions in the world. But yet he read this book now and again, hopefully has seen something that says my eyes are, are differently open now. Let's have a different kind of conversation. So, so Lisa, yes, the, the feedback so far. And again, the book's been out less than a month. Uh, we're already in reprint, which is oh, perfect. Yeah, Congratulations. Thank That's you. awesome. You deserve um, it. Nervous that we're going to run out of stock in between because now con- supply chain problems and it takes 10 weeks to get a book done. My clock is chiming in the background. Oh, that's I apologize okay. about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the feedback has been really, really strong, predominantly positive. Even the critiquing people who just, that's just how they approach life. I'm not against it. Mm-hmm. Even then, right. even they are saying unique voice, unique perspective. I don't agree with that. Don't agree with that. I mean, that's cool um, with that. But generally, yes, um, with one exception. There was a news report that I was calling for reparations and um, people didn't like some people didn't like that. As a matter of fact, one person said, I wish you'd have left it out of the book because it's a distraction from an otherwise brilliant book. Um, But other than that, yeah, it's been generally pretty good. I don't back away from leaving the chapter in on reparations, by the way. Well, uh, no, don't come on. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, that's their. I thought about issue. leaving it out, but it was Did my white like friends it? that kept saying, no, I disagree with you, but man, what a great, what a great argument you put together. I'm not sure I agreed at the end, but the argument's cool. Never seen an argument put together quite that way. I think you should leave it in. So it's, it's in the book. Well, we got to talk about that next time for sure. Yeah. Did was there anything that you wanted to wrap up with? Because we're just—I mean, there's we still got a lot of the book. No, to go you through. guys are you guys are great. Great conversation. I mean, I, I appreciate the the 
nuance, Sonny, that you provided to my audience, um, to what I was trying to accomplish and gave me the room to explain that. Um, I don't think there's another book like this one from that perspective on the market, but I hope I use the work of great thinkers in putting this thing together. I think it's well resourced, uh, you know, as far as references. And if, if people really want to understand this topic, if they got this book and just went to the end notes, they'd read the best authors in the, in the country right now on this topic because they've done the work and I'm just referencing. I'm not an expert on this topic. I'm a business leader trying to talk to my friends. I'm glad Sonny pointed that out for us today. That's so important. That. That's critical. When you, when you do your, your book tour, when you, whatever it is you're doing and you're speaking about this book, I think it is critical that you remind people yeah. because they, I'm not reading this from a critical point of Man. view, yeah. but when I read it, I'm reading dear white people, yeah. right? Not dear white friends. Friend. And so, yeah. yeah. And that is Very critical different. for context to understand that you're not accommodating dear white people, right. but you're right. writing these letters to your friends and yeah. friendship is very important. So yeah. like that, that That's would be my great. takeaway. Yeah. That is yeah, very absolutely. Good very good. Well, where insight. do we get your awesome book and people better act fast. <laughs> yeah. It does right. look like we may be able to problem. Yeah. Uh, all, all the major booksellers, you know, from Barnes and Noble to Amazon, but if you go to dearwhitefriend.com, we actually list booksellers in there and half of them are african-american um and and again you know um we hope people get the book of course you can get it in electronic version i don't have an audio yet so people don't have to ask yet we're not we haven't done that yet that'd Um, be great though but please do read it um please do uh put reviews out too uh on amazon because people are looking to know what other people think and i'm not asking you to review it positively i'm just asking you to review it because i Mm -hmm. think yeah um, reviews make a big difference i think it does and and that'll all be helpful so and i appreciate you too i appreciate what you're doing i I listen to your other authors and i'm just in awe that i uh got invited and got invited back so i haven't screwed it up bad enough yet we'll just keep trying just keep working it. Yeah. I'd like to have you on a couple more and times. I got, right, and, I just, got, and I got both mugs going here. Right, right. right. You know, I mean, and it, listen, I didn't come with any fire. You were probably like, oh I my know. God, what is- well, I'm almost a little, I'm a little what disappointed is- almost because. No, I've- because I, I really do come in peace. And I, I think it's so important to set, to, to level set, huh? Sonny, come on now. I've listened to the pie. You can, well, you can come. You can come. But again, you can the come dear white the friend, the friend, right? The, you didn't need the heat because oh, we understand that. the concept, right? If it was dear white people, that would have been You'd a different like, conversation. Nah. Yeah, and I, I don't think I'm even equipped to write that book, but I think I'm uniquely qualified to write this one. Well, you are, and you're amazing. Well, I hope it goes far. I think every white person needs to read this. I really do. From, I think it's, from, from it's your mouth to their ears. Let's make sure it happens. Dearwhitefriend.com. Got a LinkedIn, Dear White Friend. We've got a Facebook, Dear White Friend. I've got a social media person, so that'll all kick off next week. So we'll just see where this goes. All right. So to find out more about me, you can follow me at Lisa Davis MPH on Twitter, Instagram. And, you know, Sandy, you're going to be surprised. I haven't been on Clubhouse at all this summer. I think once for something Dr. Camp did. I don't know what, I was super into it. And then I just, I don't know what's been going on, but at any rate, that's how you can find me. Also check me out at lisadavismph.com because I have two health shows, Naturally Savvy and Talk Healthy Today. Always good stuff. And Sunny? (laughs) And as I always say, I am at It's Sunny Days on Instagram. 
uh, where, of course, you can see my poodles and what I've cooked lately and just, you know, my life shenanigans. But if you want the juice juice, like the juicy juice, that's over on Active Allyship uh, on Instagram. We do give love to our Facebook friends on Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag uh, in our Facebook space. Great. On Instagram, it's activeallyship.podcast. Yes. Or at? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Great. Podcast. All right. Well, until next time, thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And get Dear White Friend from Melvin Gravely the second. Thank you so much for listening to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tell your friends and family. This is really important and we want to get the word out. So glad that you're listening. Please keep coming back. Also, follow us on Instagram at activeallyship.podcast. Thank you so much.